B COVID-19 lockdown could take away 135 million jobs in India, says report following the COVID-19 economic disruptions, up to 135 million jobs could be lost and 120 million people might be pushed back into poverty in India, all of which will have a hit on consumer income, spending and savings, says a report. T according to a new report by international management consulting firm Arthur D. Little, the worst of COVID-19's impact will be felt by India's most vulnerable in terms of job loss, poverty increase and reduced per capita income, which in turn will result in a steep decline in GDP. Given the continued rise of COVID cases, we believe that a W-shaped recovery is the most likely scenario for India. This implies a GDP contraction of 10.8% in FY21 and GDP growth of 0.8% in FY22, it said, wrote about quotidian things, food, pets, sleep, friends. She talked about weeping, and about her country's mental health. Her diary provided a daily catharsis. She monitored newspapers and the internet, keeping tabs on what was happening outside her small housing project. She told uncomfortable truths about China's fumbling response to the outbreak of the coronavirus. Censors regularly squelched her. Chinese nationalists mounted a trolling campaign against her, claiming she was besmirching Wuhan's rosy-cheeked image. Her entries began to seem like Samizda. She kept at her task. She gradually became a national hero, read by millions starving for something other than the dissembling and patriotic gruel issued by the government and by Chinese media conglomerates. Her diary has now been published in English as an e-book, Wuhan Diary, Dispatches from a Quarantine City, Wuhan Diary, Dispatches from a Quarantine City author, Fang Fang publisher, Harper Collins translated by Michael Berry Price, 678 rupees, Kindle, pages, 380 Fang Fang captures the shock and panic at the start of the quarantine, people in Wuhan had been told that the coronavirus was, not contagious between people, that it was easily controllable and not not to worry. The truth hit hard. The author is in her mid-sixties, and lives alone with her old and increasingly stinky dog. When she runs out of pet food, she feeds her dog rice instead. She takes the quarantine seriously. She has diabetes, and is aware the virus could kill her. She finds much to admire in people's response to the shutdown. Neighbors form grocery collectives. When the food arrives, they lower buckets from their apartment windows and reel it up, as if it were minnows in a net. She notes the performance of many small kindnesses. She has a fascination with the eerie, empty city, which is quiet and beautiful, almost majestic, as long as you aren't sick. Watching the sanitation workers stoically going about their tasks fills her with emotion. At the same time, she writes, you begin to see things you never imagined humans were capable of. With hospitals full, the sick wander the streets looking for help. Some of those trapped in Wuhan from elsewhere end up living in tunnels. She zeroes in on dark scenes. She is horrified to see a photograph of a pile of cell phones on the floor of a funeral home. Their owners have been quickly cremated. She writes about the now infamous Wanam Seafood Wholesale Market, which has been linked to the start of the outbreak. After the market was abandoned, some fish were left behind, she writes, and they started to emit a wretched stench. There were more than a thousand vendors at the market, she writes, and nearly all ran legitimate businesses.
She notes that they too are victims. I wonder what the site of the market will become in the future, she writes. Some people have suggested turning it into a memorial hall dedicated to this calamity. She is alert to rumor, painted full of tongues, as Shakespeare understood, and conspiracy theories. She watches as this virus continues to roam the city like an evil spirit, appearing whenever and wherever it pleases. She studies the way boredom and terror, not a combination humans are accustomed to, mingle and ferment. Her world has dwindled to the size of her tiny living space. This is an important and dignified book that nonetheless, in this adept translation by Michael Barry, has its share of dead space and repetition. Wuhan Diary would have been twice as good at half the length. Still, the urgency of this account is impossible to deny. This book is most scorching in Fang Fang's calls to hold to account the leaders who downgraded and minimized the virus, wasting nearly three weeks and allowing it to seep into the world at large. She wants Chinese culture to change, for people to be more willing to admit error, to stand up and take blame. We are all aching for the opportunity to really let someone have it, she writes. Actually unloading all our anger on someone or something would be a productive psychological outlet for most of us. My daughter.